to Monorants, the only boys rewatch podcast that takes the time to talk about Melrose Place. I'm one of your hosts and jack of all trades, Mono, and with me is my co-host and master of none, Kira. I has a kitty. Kira has a kitty on her lap. And today we're going to be talking about season two, episode four, nothing like it in the world. Here's your obligatory spoiler warning for the comics and later episodes of the show. Kira, like this episode? A bit slower than the last episode, bit I thought. S- yeah, a bit slower, but. Still really nicely paced because the mm. you get a chance to absorb the information as opposed to the previous episode where it was all like bombarding you and you were as panicked as they were. <laughs> yeah, it trying was... to do it. This episode is definitely more character driven as well. Yeah, no, there's a lot more backstory going on. Um, the slower pace pace, bleh, pace really lends itself to it. Yeah, it definitely works better for it. And our, our creative team for this one was a director we've seen before. It's Frederick Toy. And the writer was Michael Saltzman, who's kind of as much a writer as he is a producer, it seems. And he's worked on like Arrested Development, Mad Men, and some really like odd early 90s stuff like Murphy Brown and Wings. Wings? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was a, he's a producer for eight episodes of the show, or of The Boys as well. Quick summary for the episode, I suppose, is in order as ever. Mallory shows a softer side and sets Butcher on a rescue mission, while M.M., Huey and Annie head on a road trip to find out about 70s soup Liberty. Frenchie doesn't know how to help Kimiko, and Stormfront shakes a few more of Homelander's screws loose. Yeah, fair assessment. Show opens with this random chick just giving an interview, and you get zero context when she's talking about communication and how important it is. Yeah, you don't get context until the very end of the episode, really. No, 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 but it is. It's communication this whole episode revolves around it and its breakdown and how it can be manipulated. Yeah. So it's a really nice little kind of, this is what we're talking about this week, before moving into Frenchie making some sort of weird... Drug cocktail, yeah. I think it's the thing he's making in season one that he offers Huey. No, like the candy flip. Yeah. No, no, I think it's he's he's just having an out drug cocktail. He's not in a good way. He's taking all the drugs. Kimiko is not in a good way. She's watching all the news coverage. And um, can we just have a round of applause for Stormfront? And that death toll, like, obviously a very sarcastic round of applause. I should hope so. Yeah. <laughs> just, damn. If you hadn't kind of realised that there's something really wrong going on with her, that should have clued you in by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Kimiko's back. She's reverted back to form. She's under a table, watching a TV. It's her safe spot. She's so, so angry. Yeah, and heartbroken and... Just grief-filled and doesn't know what to do with it. So Frenchie decides to make the situation worse by attempting to kiss her. Yeah, not really a a good idea, to be honest. No, but he's also really fucked up and high as shit. So his his judgment skills... I'm not excusing his behaviour, but they're both as messed up as each other. (laughs) Well, I think... He's really messed up because he can't help her. And it's like the guilt as well that if he had just kind of paid attention to what's going on with her, he might have been able to stop it some. Yeah, he knows. Yeah, he knows. It's his fault that his brother, the brother got loose. Yeah, he certainly seems, he seems like the type who'd be blaming himself. Yeah. But yeah, it's only a little short scene and then we cut to somebody else watching Stormfront's TV appearances. Seething with rage. (laughs) This, this episode is just such a portrayal of Homelander's spiraling mental state. His paranoia is ratcheting up his rage. He's just getting more and more worked up over uh, Stormfront and the way she's treating him. Yeah. 
and it's just a short scene where we see him getting really pissed off and then he flies off I think the first time I watched that I was like oh he's off to see Ryan again yeah the way he lands and it looks like the front steps is that where is that the little news sequence where she's actually calling for the protest outside of Vought Square the I next think so day? Yeah. yeah so she's she's out there drumming up all this anti-Vought sentiment yeah anti-Seven sentiment and, and is organising a protest basically mm. Yeah, Homelander can't handle it and flies off to what I said what I thought was Ryan's and Becca's place, but it turns out it's a random cabin and he's got a Mal- Madeline Stillwell stashed away there. Yeah. And it's all very confusing and just as, as, as sexual and based around milk as we would have come to expect never, from Homelander. Never been so glad in my life to be lactose intolerant because if I wasn't I'd be put right off milk at this point. I wouldn't be able to drink it without gagging a little bit. <laughs> I just, I remember just watching this the first time and just being like, but what? He melted Still? her face off. Yeah, why? Uh, obviously. Also, nice boobs. We get. Just as an aside, the little baby doll negligee and she comes out and it's very Stepford wife. Yeah. With this like homey, can I say the cabin is lovely? I kind of want it. But it's this lovely homey. There's a fire, roaring fire. She's yeah. like the dutiful wife coming out in the negligee with the little high heeled feathered yeah slippers with the glass of milk like she's just missing like the cigar and the whiskey yeah I I, I got um, Austin Powers fembot vibes as well yeah but that's yeah <laughs> yeah that just a short scene to confuse the fuck out of us obviously we and, find out what's going on later you. and then we cut to Butcher and Mallory meeting up yeah and outside the the tower where the massacre essentially occurred yeah and Butcher basically says that, that they've kind of botched it yeah, well, they've, they've they run down, they've, they've run. hit a dead end yeah. with the Rainer investigation. And he looks, he does look like he's sorry for that. Yeah, well, he respected Rainer. Even, yeah, it's not just that he can't get with their better. own animosity. He did have a level of respect for her and for what she was doing. And he knows it was a soup who did it, so he rightly wants to well, get yeah. revenge for that as much as anything else. But yeah, it was nice to see there does seem to be a bit of growth in Butcher in this episode and that he does seem to have remorse that he hasn't been able to track down Rainer's killer. Yeah, well, it also means that they don't know a soup who can explode heads. Yeah. Mallory makes the comment that they can't have an, an anonymous head-exploding soup out there. So given how extensive her research and files were, mm. this is an unknown, unknown entity that they're dealing with. Yeah. Um, her story about her dream is heartbreaking. Yeah, we get a little bit it, of her motivation behind it is yeah. that she dreams about all the people who have been killed or hurt by soups staring at her in an audience when she's up on stage on her own. And They're waiting for her to do something and yeah, she can't. Waiting for her to do something about it. And I talked a bit where she hands off Becca's location to him was really touching. Yeah, she's the one who made him stop looking and she feels yeah. bad because if she hadn't... Had like, she known? They could have gotten Becca out of there years ago. Yeah, and it would have been a benefit to everybody. It would have been a benefit to Butcher. It would have been a benefit to the CIA because they would have had Homelander's kid whisked away when he yeah. was very young. But I think for Mallory, it is more about the personal toll. Yeah. That this is something she wants to make amends for. It's something small she can do. She doesn't need it for leverage. Yeah, and as she says, it's one less person in the audience. Yeah. And Butcher looks 
Well, he is genuinely shocked. Yeah. Well, the first thing out of his mouth is, well, I didn't honour the deal. Yeah. And I think I said it when we were watching it as well. It just shows how that to butcher everything is transactional or should be transactional. You know, I do this thing for you and you do this thing for yeah. me. And Mallory's like, no, I'm just doing this thing. Yeah. Can you just, <laughs> just take stop it? just for a minute? No, it's nice to see more emotional side of Mallory mm. because she does come across as very kind of stone, yeah. professional... It's nice to see as a more emotional part of her. Mm. And the developments that we get of it, of of her character here, I think helps explain her, her choices later in the season. Yes. Of, without, I won't say much more than that, but yeah. the choices she makes later in the season would be confusing if it was just like the Mallory we had seen at the end of season one and the start of season two. No, she is, she's starting to get emotionally involved again. Mm. She also hands off the file on Liberty. Well, we, it's not the file. It's just it's that the again, with the address, with address on it. And she said it was, she was all over... Rainer's server. Yeah. So whatever it is, it's connected to that. Whatever Rainer was into that caused her head to... Um, Go pop. Yeah. Or it certainly could be part of the reason. Yeah, but it would. it's a very strong possibility that that is the link, that's the missing link, um, and to go off and look up that and see what they can find out. And apart from Frenchie and, and the female, that makes up the rest of what the boys are up to for the episode. Yeah. Butcher's now off on his, his mission to find Becca. Well, he, he goes back to the, the base and explains to M.M. what's happened after his meeting with Mallory. Yeah, and that he has an address for her and he's going to go get her and get her out. And rightly so, M.M.'s just like, what? You're going to infiltrate a, like, a basically involved black site? Yeah, heavily involved black site and you think you're going to get out of there? Yeah, and also this means you can't come back. What are we going to do? You're leaving us. And he's like, he's like, what about Frenchie and Frenchie? He's like, oh, well, Frenchie's been high for days and he'll be fine. And yeah. then he says, what about Huey? And there's a pause. Mm. And Butcher does play it off as like, oh, I don't want him to snot all over my coat. But yeah. there is a genuine moment there where he's like, oh, shit. Like, I brought him into this. I'm somewhat responsible for him. I think he does have a genuine affection for him. Uh, yeah, well, I or think... Or at least concern. Yeah, there's, there's definitely more emotion from Butcher and he's in this episode, especially later on. He has to come to terms with the... Consequences? Yeah, the consequences of his own actions and, and his own being, essentially, who he is. Mm. Everything catches he, up with him. Everything, well, everything he's done at this point has been leading to this end. And mm. now this end is in sight. And he's having to stop and reflect about all the people he's fucked over along the way. Yeah. Because he may then need them. Yeah. Uh, he, hasn't, he hasn't thought past getting back at No. He's been so fixated on getting Becca that now when he's being faced with the possibility of actually getting her, he doesn't know what to do. Yeah, he hasn't really thought about what's going to happen next. And also, how much... She's his world. She's his compass, everything. So, like, how is she going to judge him based on his actions and everything he had to do to get her back? Yeah, and we see that later on, like, all the, the scenes between Becca and Butcher. Yeah. The way that plays out is... Well, it's everything that you just said. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, it's... I, I just thought it was nice to see because as a, not that I hated Butcher like well I did and I didn't like I, obviously I love the characterization of him in the show but he's such an unbelievable bastard oh he's um, a prick and it's nice to see that even before he gets Becca back that Be- as you said Becca's is like moral compass mm. but the closer he gets to Becca the more reasonable like it's like the, the bits of bastard start to drop away the closer he gets to Becca yeah the walls are coming down yeah and he's reverting to this person that she loved it's like he's had to don a persona yeah. to, to get the job done. It's his work mode. 
he certainly likes to think that you know when Beck is there, he's a good person, and when Beck is not there, and when Beck is gone, he turns into this monster. That seems to be how he likes to view it, and it's put to him later on in the the episode that that's not who he is at all. And it was nice because there's there's elements that they've brought in throughout the Becca and Butcher stuff that is straight out of the comics. Like there's a few lines she says about him that it's nice to have delivered directly from from Rebecca to Butcher as opposed to Butcher reading it in her diary, which is the way it is in the comics. So it was really nice to have him have it put right in his face. Yeah. And he has no choice but to deal with it. Yeah, the 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 two of them actually as well. Um I can't remember the actress who plays Rebecca's name. Chantelle Van Sant. Yeah. But her and, and Carla Van, every bit of their acting in this episode is great. Bar one thing, Carla Van can't smoke. That's <laughs> the smoking such a small scene. thing, though. Oh, I know, but it's just, yeah, it's always funny. Yeah, just spot it. Yeah, it's always funny when you spot people who don't smoke being asked to smoke on film. <laughs> um. Yeah, he leaves Evan the task of tracking down Liberty and he takes off for a black site. Um, clearly that big ass Jurassic Park wall is, <laughs> is as useless as the ones in Jurassic Park yeah he just hops up that his finger to the camera how shitty are their security like he's a wanted felon every person in Vaught is looking for him and, and did they just let him waltz into this compound where he then proceeds to lurk about for what, like two, three days? Yeah, and they'll have... Like he makes it the whole way into her car. Were they? Have they let him in? Were they watching him? Well, they'll have known that Butcher's been there because they know Homeland is there and they'll have reviewed the tapes because they yeah. seem to have cameras everywhere. And Butcher even says, you know, is there anywhere that doesn't have a million cameras around it? It's like, do they not have cameras on the perimeter? Would they not think no, they, that you, Billy, that would be you, the first thing that Billy would try and do, would be get back, back to in? to the place where he's been? Yeah, so they have, the, I'm not going to get into all the, the conversations that they have, but there is basically a, a massive come to Jesus moment between them where she realises just how deep his hatred of soup is. Yeah. She comes to the realisation that he is there to save her, not, not Ryan. Ryan. Nope, he, he doesn't He care. will leave that kid, he does not care. He doesn't care that it's Becca's son. Nothing like that. As that kid is a soup. Yeah, end of story. He's better off where he is. She has that realization and is basically like, "I can't do this. It is my son. Yeah. I don't care what the fuck you think." And she also drops the bombshell on that she didn't save him. She was always afraid that you know it would just be one little thing and he He's would go one off bad day, day away from, from a complete free yeah. Day. And she can't deal with that anymore. <laughs> And then calls bot security on him. Yeah, well, it's the I think she does that because she knows it's the only thing that'll stop him from pursuing her. Yeah, but that watching that through and the heartache for on her as this is the person that she loved, who she wanted to have children with, and she's had the misfortune of having a child with somebody else through no fault of her own, mm. and he hasn't even considered the possibility that this might hurt her. You know, when he tries to, when she actually says, like, they have to bring Ryan. And she says, you'll find some way. When she's trying to say that why she won't go. Yeah, she'll she'll find find some. He'll find some way. He might not even mean to, but he'll find some way. And he tries to say, well, look, he's a billion dollar asset. They won't just leave him alone. We'll never get, we'll never escape if we bring him with us. Yeah. That's as far, I think, as Billy's taught it. Yeah. For him, that's, that's enough reason to not bring Ryan. Because he doesn't want to accept that the real reason he doesn't want to bring Ryan is because he hates everything Ryan represents. Yeah. 
uh, what happened to Becca and soups all rolled into one bundle. <laughs> and I don't think he wants to, uh, he's not ready to accept that's the real reason. And she straight up says that is. Yeah. You will find some way to get rid of him, even if you don't mean to. You, you hate him. And he does, then he ends up blurting out the line of, for fuck's sake, he's a soup freak. Yeah. And immediately is like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't oh, have said that. Oh, it's hot today. Milk was a bad choice. <laughs> but he means it. He does. And you can see... No matter how he tries to dress it up, he's never, ever... He's not there for Ryan. And you can see that he's he's forced to realise that everything that's happening to him right now is on him. Yeah. The reason that Becca won't come with him is because of him. He's driven his own wife away. Who was the driving force of his actions. Yeah. Um, Isn't it ironic? Yeah. <laughs> and And we never... You never get anything like that in the comics. No, 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 no. Well, in the comic, she is actually dead. Like the the child does kill her, and Butcher witnesses that and has to smash the baby to death with a lamp. I believe it is. Yeah. So there, there's no. He doesn't have anybody who directly confronts him over his he, actions in that manner. He has. He has one, that he has that sort of emotional connection he, to. He has one bit towards the very, very end of the comics. I won't say exactly where, but where he's about to go off on a big kind of what he thinks is a final crusade much oh, like here yeah. and before he goes off on it he says to Becca I know you would hate what I was about to do if I thought you could see me like you I know you would hate everything I'm about to do no matter what I tell myself this isn't about justice for you I know this is all purely for me Yeah, that's the closest he gets to it in the comics so it's nice to see him basically slapped in the face with it in this episode. No, yeah, yeah, and the fact that there's an emotional connection there because he doesn't have that with anybody else, realistically, no. makes it more poignant. And honestly, she's probably the only one who would get through to him in that way. Yeah. Up until this point, you don't get very many Butcher standalone sequences. No, the, the, like the short a, ones where he goes he, off to see Rainer and Mallory so or random people, things a, like that. Along yeah. to see him away from the boys and away from the action involved in some very, very heavy emotional um, conversation is, is, is a refreshing change to the character and humanises the character. Oh, definitely. And I mean... You know how much I, I, I ranted during the first season about yes. how much of a big bastard he is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's nice to see from... A, we got a little bit of it in the last episode where he actually apologised and, you know, got his canary speech from M.M. and stopped and made sure that, that Huey didn't get killed by Homelander and Annie. Yeah. This episode, we're starting to see more of it again. And, yeah, I think we needed it. Yeah, because otherwise it was just... The character was going to burn out. I yeah. think it was like, well, the the audience's interest in the character because he was he was exceptionally one note. Up to yeah, up to this, <laughs> up to this point, he totally was yeah, and that's why I think I'm really excited about season three. Yeah, because it's it's totally new territory now. Mm. Homelander also goes on somewhat of an emotional journey this episode. Yeah, mostly negative ones. Yeah. though. <laughs> Homelander spiraling in a very different way where Butcher has gone down into this deep dark well of emotion. Homelander is spiraling further into paranoia. You've got him watching the news coverage of Stormfront and that leg is just going. Yeah. You've got his interactions with Madeline in the cabin who's telling him he's the best and they're sitting there watching Taxi, uh, taxi driver, driver and he's sympathising with the character whose name I've completely forgotten. Travis 
Bickle? Is it Bickle? I don't know. But he's, he's sympathising with this character. They're sitting there watching the film. Madeline sitting there looking really uncomfortable. Like the guy. <laughs> but no, it's not uncomfortable. It's like on edge. Oh, yeah. She's completely on edge while he's there going, look, do you see? This is what happens when you get disrespected. Yeah, when you push a man too and far. he's ranting about Stormfront. He's ranting about the Seven, about how they're all weak. And she's there placating him and yeah. saying, no, it's okay. I love you. You built them. You nurtured them. You fed them. You know, and maybe it's time to weed out the weak ones. Yeah. It, it's masterful. And then he's lying on her lap and yeah. he, she's like petting his head. And it's the speech that she gives him about all this, about how it was, it's all you. Yeah, we're going it's to cut pure, the chaff. It's pure Stillwell. And then just as we're thinking, maybe it is her, we get the reveal that it's not her at all. No, she starts <laughs> to moan and groan in a way that, and I think the most telling point about that, because she's kind of like, oh no, no, no. And you're like, oh, oh God, is she a clone? Is she going to explode? Yeah, what's happening? And um, Homelander sits up all in a pan. His face goes from like serene to disgust. Yeah. And he's like, no, no. And it turns out it's, doppelganger it's doppelganger the whole time he's had doppelganger holed up in a cabin waiting on him and I'm like does he like text him like just before he arrives and is is like I'm on my way yeah have the milk ready (laughs) because he's always in that position and it's too weird to not have been staged yeah like has he had a big talk with him before this and it's like I want you to do this I want you to do this and here's a script I've written or has Doppelganger just been infiltrated because we've seen Doppelganger be Stillwell before yeah so either he just does a really really good Stillwell or he's been given a really really good script by Homelander I'd say he's just been given a really really good script by Homelander we see later in the the kind of the scene towards the end when we go back to the cabin we do see oh yeah he's back in first position yeah and and he says the exact same things about you know I missed you and would you like some milk and yada 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 so it is clearly scripted and I'd say he gave him like a series of topics of this is okay to talk about this is not okay to talk about the amount of blackmail material Doppelganger must have on everybody Everybody. (laughs) yeah also I would say he is just a giant walking STD at this point yeah I'd say the the bits of the fear that you see before you find out it's doppelganger it's like oh it makes sense now doppelganger is absolutely terrified the whole time that he'll play still well wrong or do something to upset Homelander yeah and And he explains that when he holds a form for too long it's painful it really starts to hurt yeah and then you get the brilliant bit though where it's a very low shot with Homelander with his back to him and you get the morph back into it yeah which was really nicely done and then he's got and Homelander just clicks straight back into it and he's like ah Madeline, yeah. let me snuggle back up into your bosom. Yeah. Like she literally is like, excuse me while I rest these on your forehead. <laughs> it's it's like there's a it's, switch in Homelander's head yeah. that's like sexy, sexy, sexy. No, not sexy, not sexy, not sexy. Oh, sexy, sexy, sexy. But <laughs> it's, yeah, he totally unravels in this episode. And he does take that advice from, from Doppel Stillwell. Yeah. To, cut, to, to try and go Doppel and weed, well. Yeah, to, to weed out the weak. Yeah, he's still like, he, I don't know whether that was his own, that couldn't have been, I, I, this is the whole scripting thing that has me really confused because that's something Stillwell would have said. Does Doppel, I, Doppelganger no. know her well enough to do that? Because it, the way that he mulls it over, 
I don't think he, that had occurred to him. No, I don't think that scene was supposed to have been a scripted scene from Homelander. I think he is. He's come He's come in. He's super frustrated. He's really pissed off about Stormfront. And Doppelganger is rightly afraid of angry Homelander. So just massages his ego as best he can. And if you think about it, Homelander had already said just previous in that conversation, he said it's like a, a whole chain of weak links. Yeah. So he's just kind of, he's reiterating what Homelander's saying, but in a different way and saying, oh, well, if they're they're weak links, why not get rid of them? And I wonder as well, is it a little bit of Doppelganger trying to open a spot up in the seven for himself? <laughs> you know, if he gets rid of the, the well, rest of them. it's in his purview to stay on Homelander's good side. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's it. I think that is just Doppelganger being like, I, I'm trying to, to keep him happy. <laughs> And I'll say what he wants to hear and and give him a suggestion. And Homelander takes that suggestion and runs with it. Because the next couple of scenes we see him in is um, him and Annie, which he obviously views as the weakest link he goes to see first. And we see him and Annie in the elevator. Yeah, that's a hot, that's a high speed elevator because they get on on ninety nine and he gets off on sixty nine. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, well, I mean, elevators are fast in tall yeah. buildings. What's that... not fast is the way he rams his hand into Annie's side. Oh no, side. even before that, when he gets on that elevator with her and she's worried and he's standing just behind her. Number one, I don't care who the fuck you are. You get onto the elevator and you stand slightly behind me like that. I'm going to be freaked out. Just at yeah. virtue of being female, that is like one of the creepiest things somebody can ever do yeah. because they might like. Yeah, talk, yeah, I know. I, I yeah. No. But when he stops the elevator and presses her up against the wall and then the way he runs his hand down her yeah. is one of the most violating things I've seen him do. Like he's got her by the throat and then he, he deliberately runs his hand down her body to just blow her ribs. Yeah. And it's so, as you're watching it, you're going, no, 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 no. Like you expect that hand to keep traveling. That's the intention that comes across from his movements. Mm. Like, actually, what he then proceeds to do, which is jab his fingers up under her ribs, yeah, is less off-putting than what, well, at least where my mind went that he was going to do to her. Yeah, but that <laughs> I, that wouldn't have been a very Homelander move, I don't think. No, but it, that's, I think, why it is so, so violating, is mm. he's come from this really weird situation with Doppelwell. Yeah. To this, and it's like, oh god, what? Yeah, what yeah, else happened I, yeah. in no, that they, cabin? They, there was. I totally agree with you about the feeling you got. It, as he, it yeah. really is just a violation of because he hasn't touched her. He doesn't touch people like that. You haven't seen him even with yeah. Stillwell. He's not allowed to put his hands on her. Yeah, it was. It was. It, it's uncomfortable, and I think it's it's designed to be uncomfortable. Yeah. He's mad at her. He's saying that Maeve has begged him to spare her life, and then she couldn't even kill Huey. Yeah, and luckily for Annie, she's truthful. She basically, yeah, she tells the truth. She just doesn't tell the entire truth. No, but she tells <laughs> enough of the like. She is, she is truthful she, about it. Yeah. She's like, why would I save him? I hate him. Yeah. You know, he broke my heart, and that feeling is very, very true. Even when she's, even though she's continuing to help him, she's yeah. doing it because it's the right thing. It's to the do. right, th- not yeah. It's not 
anything to do with her feelings for them. In fact, she would rather not have to deal with him. Yeah. But she doesn't know how else to do it. Well, nobody else is trying to take Vought down. Yeah. So she's truthful in that respect. And the fact that she won't kill him is also extremely truthful. She's like, I'm not a murderer. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't do that. Yeah. She says to him, if you, if you want to kill me because I'm not a stone cold murderer, go ahead. Yeah. And she's right. Even in, in that scene that he's talking about in the previous episode, She's like, well, shouldn't we call the police and have him yeah. arrested? And Homelander himself says, yes, we should. But, and we should, but I want you to kill him. Yeah. And he can't, he can't argue with her logic because, you know. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the truth. Yeah, it's and, sound. And he knows she's not lying. And he's so mad when he leaves that elevator. <laughs> yeah. What I really like as well is that you can hear a heartbeat. Yeah. I'm guessing it's supposed to be Annie's that yeah, you can hear. And he, yeah, he's listening to her heartbeat and can see that it's steady. Yeah. And she's not, well, she's panicked, but not for that reason, not because she's lying. No. So after that, he... He's just on a rampage around Tower, isn't His he? next weak link, and we see A-Train well, prior, catches... Uh, uh, yeah, Shockwave. Yes, catches view of Shockwave, and Shockwave gives him a real fucking cheeky grin and a, a nod and walks into a meeting, and A-Train... No, he's getting into an elevator. Oh, Sorry. And A-Train basically runs off to Ashley and is like, what the fuck is he doing here? And she tells him he's there for, what was it? Vought for, for tots. tots. It's yeah. a rich program for obese toddlers because kids are getting fat. And he's like, hey, I love me some fat that, kids. Yeah, and I think that's my favourite A-Train line so far. Shit, I love me some fat kids. Excuse me. <laughs> Everything seems to be okay. She seems to have him calm down. Cue Homelander. Homelander's just like, hi, you've told him yet? No. And she's like, we're supposed to have a fucking meeting. Yeah. And, and he's like, nope, you're right. See it. Toodles. Bye. Yeah, he decides that that's one more weak link he wants to get rid of. Yeah. And is like, like, hey, buddy, look, your your heart. It's it's yeah. You're, you know, not you're even cracking like, the top ten. You're yeah. making the seven. Therefore, top twenty, I think, is what he says to him. There he goes. You're making the seven, and therefore me, me look, look bad. bad. Yeah, it's embarrassing. At uh, least he did it in like relative private privacy because it's better than what he does to Maeve. Yeah, oh, it's much better than what he does to Maeve. Like and at least he he does he that does in, in like, yeah. But he still gets his his digs in when he's like, "This was really hard for me. It's nothing personal, and we'll always be friends." Yada like, yada, etc. etc. Yeah. And then walks out. And Ashley's just like, "Oh gosh." Oh, I do like A Train's line about you know he's like, "This is fucking ridiculous. You used to get me my goddamn coffee to Ashley." <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then he's off, as you said, to, to ruin Maeve's life yeah, on and, live TV. Yeah, during an interview, which and is just lovely. That was one of the things I thought, again, was telling about Homelander. He goes in there with the intention of basically killing Starlight. Yeah. And she kind of manages to weasel her way out of it. So he's like, whatever, he'll deal with her later. He goes off, he gets rid of A-Train. He doesn't try to get rid of Maeve. No, but what he, he tries to do is, is destroy her relationship. Well, Well, no, I think... He knows that Elena and Maeve are together and he rightly realises, okay, well, I can't get her to love me, but he's not really concerned with that anymore because he's got Ryan and stuff now. Yeah. So, but what he does want is to be able to control her again. Yeah. So he outs her and then, you know, says to her, I know the two of you were going to, and he, he can now hold that over Maeve. Uh, that, that's well, that's what I took from it anyway. Like, but goddamn, that's fucking cold. Like, he's such a dick outing somebody on national TV and the way he does it is so fucking it's just as a defence so that he doesn't lose marketing points basically because the whole what was it hashtag hero so white yeah and the fact that Vaude have almost exclusively recruited like white superheroes well it would be bad enough if, if it was a recruitment thing 
But now everybody knows that the heroes are made. So it's not that they've only recruited white heroes. It's not that they've pretty much only made white you, heroes. Yeah. Like what she just says, it's 92% white, 6% African-American, and then a percent each for Asian and Latin. Yeah. And he's then going through the seven. He's like, well, we've got A-Train, who's a black man, who he's just fired. Yeah. <laughs> so he'll probably have the to roll that black one back. Mar, who doesn't really identify as any race of... That's, That's them covered. <laughs> and then he's like, and we've got our, our very own gay superhero. And you can see that, like, um, there's just a very subtle tensing and she's so aware and she's been media trained to perfection that nothing crosses that face. And yeah. she just kind of has a little glance at him. Like, like with, are you really doing this? With a half smile of... <laughs> yeah, because Maeve has to pretend like this was planned she can't yeah. freak out she has to pretend like this was the plan was to out Maeve on Maria Menounes's show yeah and, and the way, when he finishes he's like you know so there you go Maeve's gay like yeah, yeah. that's your point ruin and yeah poor Maeve and then we see the aftermath when the two of them are arguing, in the, the, arguing in the hallway and she tries to say that she was she broke it off with Elena before she ever got in the seven and never got with Homelander which was nice that we get a bit of a timeline for when they first got together yeah because I was never sure if their relationship Elena and May's relationship was supposed to be before or after her and Homelander's relationship yeah. so it would seem that they were together before her and Homelander but um yeah he basically tells her oh no I'm super happy for you and and I want you to, to be in love. It's a great thing. And yeah, it is just, no, now I can control you again. And yeah, he's he's just wrecking lives left, right and centre at the minute because he's being a little bitch. Yeah, and then he tries to finish off his rampage by going after the person who's really pissing him off. He's Stormfront. And he confronts Stormfront, who just tries to rub it in his face. Yeah, well, she was really what? She's, she was what? Hosting a rally outside... Yeah, she's been hosting. Her, uh, at that, yeah, at that point when he comes to see her, she, it's after the rally. She had hosted a rally out the front, basically talking about how VOD aren't doing enough and that, you know, people have to take their own power back and yada, yada, yada. And it's an extremely dangerous rhetoric that she's spouting and she's whipping up this, this is, frenzy yeah, I was, around anti-hero sentiment whilst also well, being like, I'm the hero for you. That scene is the start. I think we'll probably talk about it a lot more in the next episode. Yeah. But that scene is the start of the real, like, dodgy rhetoric, the, the the real hate-filled rhetoric that doesn't sound hate-filled, that's just designed to turn people against other people and yeah. not anything to do with soup terrorists at all. But you've got her, prior to her co- uh, confrontation with, with Homelander, mm. this is what she's been off doing, is stirring up crowds of people. Stirring the pot. So when it comes to Homelander being like, what the fuck are you doing? She's like, what? What do you mean? What am I doing? Yeah, and and she she pushes him a little bit too far, and his eyes glow, and she looks genuinely scared. Yeah, because <laughs> she's like, "Oh, may have taken it a bit too far." Sorry, and does apologize, and is like, "Okay, okay, I pushed it too far, but you know, we're testing out boundaries." Yeah, and she says, "Well, you know, all I'm trying to do is help you." Yeah, and he's like, "How is this help?" And she says that she has her great little line about how. You don't need 50 million people to love you. You know, you can't win the country anymore. Nobody can win yeah, the entire no, country no, anymore. No, that she does make some very good points there that like you, he needs to be loved by everybody. But yeah. he can't. Nobody can't. Nobody can win over yeah, like the, the US demographic is too disparate now to win everybody over. Yeah. She's like, you don't need 5 million people or 100 million people to love you. You just need 5 million people pissed off. Yeah. And it's so true of a line. Especially given when it aired initially, you, there was so much civil unrest in 
actually happening in the US. Yeah. That it really resonated as well. Yeah. How easy it is through rhetoric and propaganda, for lack of a better word, to promote ideas of hatred and whip people up into such frenzies that they oh, yeah. will single mindedly follow one person. Yeah. And the, as they develop the rest of the season that that aspect comes more and more yeah. to the fore and they, they deal with it really well, I think. Watching it as as a non US citizen and having watched the situation going on in the US at the same time mm. it was a bit of like art imitating life yeah definitely <laughs> it was a little bit like oh god the satire the satire is so real but she she actually seems to kind of get through to Homelander there well she stands up to him that- she doesn't cower Maeve has been, is very much a placator of of his ego Stillwell always played to his ego. Oh yeah. So she's got the touch of the oh the new girl's got balls. The new nobody but talks to me like she's, that. She's still playing to his ego. She just does it in a different way. Yeah. She says like you don't need everybody to love you to be the most popular. You only need the right people. Yeah. Is effectively what she's saying, and it seems to, to kind of get through to him because in that last scene with poor doppelganger. Oh. He doppelganger tries everything to placate Homelander in the way he's used to. But he sees that it's not working with Stillwell. That he's trying to come on to Homelander in the normal Stillwell form and it's not working. So he he makes the brilliant choice of turning into Homelander. (laughs) Also the fact that he's there in the negligee as well. Yeah. And tells him, "Well, why don't why don't we try this? You're so handsome, and you're so you know, strong, yeah. and it's not gay when it's with yourself. It's not, yeah, it's not and I'm gay. Suck your dick so hard. <laughs> you can look in your own eyes when you come, <laughs> and it's it's none of that. It's what I think snaps it for Homelander at the end is when Doppelganger's like, everybody loves you. You're everybody's favorite. You're every, and he's like, well, no, hang on. I've just learned I don't need everybody to love me, yeah. and." Yeah, decides that he's had enough of Doppelganger. And breaks his neck. And breaks his neck. And and that's that's the end of poor old Doppelganger. Also, interesting to know that Doppelganger died as Homelander. Yeah, like, we didn't he see didn't, him revert back. Yeah, he didn't morph back into what he is. So I wonder if he's just going to hang on to that corpse for, you know, safekeeping. Yeah, it could be handy. Yeah. <laughs> if he stays that way. I reckon it was just CG trying to cheap out a little bit. Why? Because <laughs> CG shots are fucking expensive. Yeah, but they could have cut away and cut back. Like, he could have snapped his neck as him and as they did. Oh, when he cut, cut to the drops, floor, just drop, have, yeah, yeah, just yeah, have him fall true. back. True. That's it, yeah. Well, I suppose that's a fair point. Okay, so that, 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 that's that's canon in the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we've got a spare Homelander corpse now. Yeah, yeah. Grant. I wonder it's not America's That ass. might come back to it. I wasn't expecting Doppelganger to come back into no, it. No, I really enjoyed Doppelganger. I'm quite a, I liked the way he'd like just kind of pop up and, and be doing weird shady shit. Yeah, it would have been fun to keep him around for a little bit longer, but also, for Homelander's journey in the show, I understand why they killed yeah, him at the end. I'm just, I'm a little bit sad that they did because watching him walk off in the Madeline Stillwell get up with the heels <laughs> yeah. in season one is one of the funniest parts of that episode. And, and equally, it was great to have Elizabeth Shue back for this yes. episode. And she apparently was only too delighted to come back. She didn't, you know, she didn't care what it was for. She was no, like, cool, I, yeah, I'll yeah. happily come back. Because um, she is, her presence is is missed a lot. Because we were under the impression that you'd get a lot more of Edgar, which doesn't seem to be happening. Yeah, he, in the first episode, he was very yeah, but present. It's not as much of a presence as... as Stillwell, who no. was in was interacting with them on a daily basis, and though even though Ashley is, she's very easily dominated by Homelander and his agenda. 
I think they didn't want to overdo it with Stan Edgar this season no, because he's going to be around next season as well. Yeah. So I think they held him back a little bit and that was probably maybe why they decided to bring Ashley's character back. Yeah. So that you could have, the still have that. Stand in on yeah, And yeah, I think they just, they just didn't want to over, overexpose Stan Edgar this season. Yeah. And if he is going to be around for a few seasons, probably the right call. Plus, we're also getting a lot more of the other background tech support. Oh, Annika's back. Yes, Annika's back. Poor old Annika in (laughs) Just in two scenes. And she's there. She's bopping away. She's eating an almond joy. Black Noir just very silently arrives up behind her. Her her reaction is amazing because he's just standing there staring at the back of her head. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, you know that feeling you get when somebody's watching watching you. you. And she she just kind of like tilts the head around a little bit and then goes, Woo! Like, offers, oh, him, offers him some of the almond oh, joy. Oh, Black Noir. Didn't see you there. And he's just got a bin. And he's yeah. like, put the chocolate bar in there. <laughs> yeah, you don't want none of that almond joy. And just hands her a sign that says butcher. Very crudely written <laughs> Yeah, and Which she's... makes me feel for him because he's an excellent pianist. I'm like, oh, nobody's talking about him right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it just, it, there's the, all so he, many contradictory kind of... things about Black Noir. Yeah, like he can body lock. He understands complicated Japanese tea ceremonies he can play the piano but he sobbed like a baby when he found out that he was made yeah and scribbles like a four year old yeah no I, I just I love his mystery <laughs> but yeah. and she's like oh okay yeah alright that's and the whole scene is hilarious. She's like, oh, I'll contact you when you find him. And he comes to you. She's like, oh, okay. Or you can join me. <laughs> and she starts to look at him and she goes, all right, we know he was on the boat with everybody. They're tracing through the yeah, butcher like, steps. And she's like, right, we know he went in here. And they start a facial recognition search for him. And when it cuts back to her later. Yeah. She's got like five empty cans of Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. He's, He's still, still staring at her. <laughs> When she finally gets the hit on Butcher getting over the wall into the compound. Yeah, so somebody did see it, but apparently they're not live viewed feeds. Yeah. Which is a bit weird. Yeah, so I said that Jurassic Park ass wall did about as much use as it is in the park. But yeah, there's definitely incongruity there because we see Becca holding up the smokes to the camera before she gets into the camera Billy as Mm. if to say to somebody who's watching the camera, I'm just going for a smoke. Yeah. But yet when Billy jumps over the wall and gives the finger to the camera, nobody's watching that one. Yeah, but, it's a bit weird. But so, yeah. Yeah, I think Annika's just here. Annika and Black Nora is just to set up next week's episode. Yeah. And also probably the fact that he's blaming Butcher for ruining all their lives. No, I don't I don't think so. Yeah, I don't. I'll, well, the, remember it for next week because I'll, I'll tell you why then. Yeah, so that's Black Nora is off on a little mission. To find weird. Butcher, yeah. It's nice to see that the... The secondary characters in this episode. Annika's come back. Doppelganger's come back. We yeah. got a bit of Mallory as well. Yeah. Um, it was nice to see that. We get Cherie as well. Oh, yeah, of course. We, we get Cherie back. Frenchie's spiral. He goes off to see Cherie. I really want her place. They have some anonymous French sex. Well, I don't know if it's anonymous. But no, but... Certainly they, casual. Yeah. And she's like, right, you're a fucking state, whatever. Yeah, what's actually wrong with you? Yeah. And yeah, that's where we find out that he's very upset about not being able to help Kimiko and he says he tried to kiss her and Cherie's response is, and you thought that would make her feel better about the death of her brother. He's like, that's your problem. You're always trying to help. She's not a kitten stuck in a tree. Yeah. You know, and you think that if you can help her, it'll make up for the deaths of those children that lamplight have been. So she's yeah. getting straight to the, the heart of the problem there. Yeah. Yeah. Something you called out way back when. Yeah. 
she's getting straight to the heart of the problem, which is his guilt over whatever actions. At this point, we, we still don't know what happened with the lamplighter situation, apart from the fact that what it, somebody, presumably Frenchie's negligence, caused the deaths of children. Yeah, we, which nobody, we just know Frenchie is blamed for it. We don't know why yet. nobody wants on their conscience no. ever. But it's nice to see the emotional breakdowns mm. because they've all been running on adrenaline and all this for so long for it to be a slower paced episode where you can see the toll that this is taking on all of their psyches. Mm. So Frenchie's like gone back to Cherie, who's his oldest friend, who's a comfort to him. You've got M.M., Annie and Huey. Well, Annie and Huey meeting up. Annie being in a state. Yeah, when he gets the call from M.M. that they have to go and do this thing. Yeah. And he tries to leave and then it's like, you just gonna stay here in this bridge under the park? And she starts to cry because she's just been attacked by Homelander. Their interactions are quite fun because it's still in that really awkward, I don't like you, but I kind of like you because you did the right thing. Yeah. They end up all going on a road trip. She clearly needs to not be in New York. She makes an excuse to vote. They, and, the three of them head out now to find this Liberty person. Yeah. And M.M., when Huey says to, to M.M., she needs this, which is true. His response is, she needs this or you need this. Yeah. And it's it's just a little subtle reminder from M.M. Do you not remember the conversation we had about don't be dragging her into this shit? Again, yeah. She's just gotten out. Leave her alone. And I do quite like the development of M.M. and Annie's relationship. Yeah. Well, the the whole don't drag her back into it, I think, as well. When he's having the conversation with Butcher about him being in charge and Butcher leaves and then he's just left staring at the dollhouse that he's been building for his daughter. Yeah, and will I ever get to that, finish this? Yeah, will I ever get to finish this? Will I be able to go home? Mm. How much am I sacrificing for him to be able to go home? Yeah, and he... He doesn't want to see anybody else come in and lose everything. No, he doesn't. And I think that's... We get more of his motivation as well yeah. later on. Well, Butcher says to him when he's first sending him off as well, he's like, we'll do this thing for Mallory, find out about Liberty, and she'll help you get... You know, she got me Becca. Yeah, and she doesn't help, even like me. She'll help <laughs> you the way she helped me and she likes you more. And I think that's part of the reason that as well that M.M. is like, well, let's not bring any. M.M. wants to do this professionally and he wants to do it right because yeah. his family might be on the line on this one. Yeah, no, well, he, his he does have a very good point though. It's like, if we're going to go knock on the door of an old superhero, wouldn't it make sense to have one of our own just in case? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he makes a good point. They end up going. There's a kind of a very sweet little bonding moment in the car. With the radio and Billy Joel. And again, another little subtle bit of musical foreshadowing. It's off Stormfront. Yeah. We Didn't Start the Fire is off. The album it's off is called Stormfront. And given later events of the episode, yeah, just a little subtle bit of foreshadowing. But yeah, they have a little sing song. (laughs) Very quickly shut down by M.M. Who's like, I'm not your fucking chauffeur. You're not on a date. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. Then you're starting to get more Annie taking notice of his quirks. The finger tapping... In the restaurant, she watches him stir the coffee three times and then place it centrally. And then we get a little bit of their, the progression of their relationship with the the chocolate donut story. Yeah, the conversation about their fathers. And then the Baskin Robbins story, which is brilliant. Yeah, Yeah. It's so good. Oh, yeah. And it's very sweet. And then 
he kind of you can tell he's warmed up to Annie he's because really- when she's leaving and she's wiping her hands and he's like you're dry wiping oh nada hell no come over here come here let me look after you yeah the the, the wet wiping versus dry wiping bit is quite funny and I, I almost wish it had gone on a little bit longer yeah but because it gets interrupted by a truck smashing into a car which is showing uh, which also shows Annie's true character she tries to, her immediate response is to go and help yeah, and they're trying to pull her back and be like, "You can't, not with not us. Now. Here. Not with us here. You cannot do that." And she's so torn, and they're like, yeah. "Look, it's okay." And they basically have to like manhandle her back into the car. Yeah, and Huey basically has to say, "Like, look, there's nothing, nothing, more nothing we can, can do. do that's not already being done. Look, that guy's calling the police. We can't undo what happened, and it could yeah. cost us everything if we hang around." Like, and yeah, and he reluctantly goes. But they're right, because her superpowers can't help that situation. No, but it just shows what sort of a person she is fundamentally. Mm. Her first response was to run and try and help. Yeah, and there's a couple more bits of, obviously, well, throughout their journey, we see Annie and Huey kind of rekindling their relationship Yeah, when they stop at the motel. You also see a couple of lovely posters and stuff like that along the way, like the baby you're about to abort could be super. Oh, God, yeah. The big painting of Homelander, Homelander and the flag the, is the Mason Dixie. It's the yeah, the, yeah. the, the, the rebel flag. And yeah. as a black man driving past that, MM must have like fucking shit himself. Well, I don't know if he shit himself so much as he probably just seethed with rage. Yeah, but yeah, the motel scene is nice as well. Just the development of it because it's MM and Huey sharing the room, and you can see uh, all of MM's jewelry is like lined up perfectly. <laughs> yeah. It's because they keep focusing on it during the episode, like him tapping the finger, that when mm. you see that, you're like, oh. Like, you already knew he had his Purell thing going on, and, like, his desk in yeah. his office was perfect as well. It was little small things. Yeah. But now it's starting to be because they're focusing on it more and more and more. And when when Huey goes outside to the vending machines with Annie, Annie explicitly says it. She's like, what's up with his OCD? <laughs> Huey's yeah. like, what? What are you talking about? She's like, oh, this, this, this. He's like, oh my God, you're right. Yeah. And the development of the OCD is so in line with MM's character because when, you know, when he starts talking about his dad. Yeah. And everything his dad did to to take down Vought. And then later on when they're driving back and he says, you know, his dad wasn't a hero. He was just a man with a disease. And And I have the same disease and I don't want to pass it down to my children. Um, The obsession. Yeah, exactly. That disease is the obsession. And I think that really explains his longing look at the Vermont country dollhouse because M.M. can't leave the job undone. No. His OCD won't allow him to stir the sugar two times. It has to be three times, but equally it won't allow him to leave a job undone. And he knows he can't go back to his family until this shit's over. Yeah. That Well, that's what I took away from it. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's the outward effect of the mental obsession. Hmm. Is these are little things he can't control the bigger picture, but he can control these smaller actions. But the the candy wire conversation is very fun. Yeah, it's real kind of sweet and and oh, god damn it, that wasn't intended to be a pun. It's it's a sweet, lighthearted scene. Yeah, where they're making fun of each other, and Huey's making jokes about how her candy bars are only liked by serial killers. And um, what is an almond joy? Because we don't have all, Yeah, we don't... We don't have any of the candy I that is mentioned. Think, I think and an, I, an just, Almond Joy is like a, a Snickers, but with almonds. Ew. Maybe it doesn't have caramel. It might just be nougat and almonds and chocolate. I have no idea what a Charleston Chew is. All I know... Um, I, the only reason I know Charleston Chew is from Richard Futurama. Nixon and Futurama. Charleston Chew. Yeah. And, and a bit of honey sounds like a crunchy. 
uh, yeah, it probably like is some kind of honeycomb yeah. bar. I can't remember what Huey's choices are, but yeah, we don't know American candy, folks. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> can't, if you want to send us some, please do. Yeah, can't analyze this scene unless we have, you know, tested some of the products ourselves. Yeah, I have no idea if Nam enjoys any good or not. Sound, but, yeah, it doesn't sound they're, amazing. Yeah, their their candy talk somehow ends up leading them to the bedroom. Bam, chick, bow, wow. Yeah, and chick, bow. and they get it on. Yeah, and they get it on. That's kind of all we see of them at the motel, and and when we catch up with them next, they're actually outside the door of well, they think they're outside the door of, of Liberty's house. Yeah, and they knock, and there's a, a black lady answers the door and says, "No, go go away, goodbye." Doesn't want to hear anything about it, and MM tries then. And that's when we get the story about his his, his dad. dad and his dad's crusade against Vought. We don't know what started it, but we know it, it consumed him. And yeah. he ended up having a heart attack and dying at 55, I think yeah, M.M. And says. Yeah, slumped over the typewriter. Yeah, and he tells this lady, look, his fight got passed down to me. Yeah. And that seems to be enough to convince her. And she lets them in and tells her story. Yeah, but she also mentions in that when he starts to talk to her, she's like, no, I took your money. Oh yeah, I took your money and I didn't Which say anything. Which we've already seen that Vought will pay off people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's where he says, oh, hang on, no, we're not with Vought. Yeah. He tells the story about his dad. They go inside and she tells the story about a night when she was out in the late 60s, early 70s with her brother when she was like 11 years old. And yeah. Liberty showed up. And for her brother's driving a car and she's asleep in the backseat and he said Liberty stops the car and tells him that the car was used in a robbery earlier that night. And he's like, no, no, ma'am. She proceeds to spew some incredibly incredibly hateful racist sentiments and then she doesn't even have the decency to just kill him yeah she just she she caves his face in with a punch and just leaves and yeah and you see the like it's it's really well done the the the, like prosthetics and stuff i'm I'm glad they showed it as opposed to just kind of yeah showing his dead body to actually see just how little she like she that's what i was saying like she doesn't even have the decency to kill him she doesn't even like no, she basically just caves in the front of his face, yeah. his jaw, and, and, and leaves you, him to suffer. Yeah, and you get to see it, and yeah, and it's, see it it's through the eyes of this small child girl, yeah. who's just seen her big brother. And, and this is like this is the, the there were no mobile phones back then. Yeah. She basically had to wait there with her dying brother until the next car came. Yeah. Who knows how long that might have been. So your poor but girl, absolutely traumatized. Also, hearing her brother say, "What are you doing? You're supposed to be a hero." And the story is absolutely heartbreaking and nobody back then was going to believe a small black girl. Especially yeah, her parents didn't even want to go to the police over it. You know, it was stirring up too much trouble to go up against Vaught and a white superhero. Mm. And they took the money and it was $2,000 because that was all they deemed her brother's life to be worth. Yeah. And then she drops the bombshell. Well, she says... She, that's all she's going to say. She'll kill me. Yeah. And she'll kill me. And they're like, Huey well, ask, well, Huey asks, why are you so afraid? She says, well, she'll kill me. Nobody's seen her since 1979 is yeah. Huey's response. And yeah, she goes, uh, no, not quite. And picks up the paper, piece of paper, points at the picture of Stormfront and says, that's her. That's Liberty. That's Liberty. Opening up all sorts of questions about whether or not V lengthens your life yeah the conversation that they have on the way back about you know are how they, could this be if you can heal the way they do yeah so she's at least she's at least 90 yeah well it's it's 50 odd years since that incident yeah and you know so Stormfront's at least 70 or 80 
Yeah. And yeah, they're just trying to figure out how is it just to do with the V? Where did she go in the intervening time between Liberty and Stormfront? Yeah. What was she up to? Which also makes sense to a comment that Stormfront makes earlier in the episode when she's talking to Homelander about mood changing with the times. God knows I've I do. Yeah. And her reference to Pippi Longstockings makes yes. it a little bit more sense because it's not exactly something you would expect a All super cool hipster her, to be talking her about. racism is beginning to make some more sense because now she looks like she's a mad redneck. Well, from how she treated that poor boy. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and what she says to him, it's... Like, yeah. she's made the comment about you yellow bastard. She's made... She's like, you're, you're less than human. She's... Yeah. It, yeah, she's she's hardcore racist. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> full on hardcore racist, and yeah, the guys are, are basically just trying to parse it out and what it could mean. And I think MM passes is it MM makes the comment about that's what Rainer was getting close to. Rainer yeah. had maybe figured this out. That V so, makes them live a really long time. Or well, just that. But if 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 Rainer had made the connection between Liberty and Stormfront, was that part of the reason her head got exploded? Yeah. Was it that she had figured something else out about that? And that's all the Liberty revelation we really get in this episode. It, it, when they get back to New York and M.M. drops Annie and Huey off, they have a little conversation before they go their separate ways and it doesn't go quite the way Huey would have hoped, I'd imagine. No, given that when their opening conversation is about the fact that she listened to his voicemail that he left where he was like, you're my second chance. And he was like, oh God, please, let's not talk about that. <laughs> In fairness, yeah, she's she's doing what he wanted. She's like, yep, yeah, okay, fair enough. We don't want to talk about it. We can't do this. Bye-bye. It was fun. Yeah, see ya. I don't know. Is that is that why? Because he, he wouldn't talk about it? I I took it more as, you know, they, they did what they did on their, their trip and... and she had they had sex and she's kind of thinking oh no that that was too good like what she said it was too we can't afford to feel good we can't afford to yeah. feel comfortable and yeah i think it is it's a the speech she gives about being so on edge around the tower she knows she barely she, got out of that scrape yeah. at homelander she's probably not going to be able to get out of a scrape like that again so she can't really afford to have that relationship with huey and I think the feeling they needed the, f- the little escape, and now it's time to go back to reality. Like that was her little break, and now she needs to go back to like fucking fending for her life every single day. Well, I think the little break showed her as well that like after they had slept together, that was when she realized, oh no, that felt really good, and we can't afford that right now. No, not without now with all these new revelations as well. Yeah, and whereas Huey, Huey can't think that pragmatically. No. I don't think. And no. Huey's just distraught over it when she leaves. But throughout the whole episode, you get these little interview segments. Yeah. And then we get the final culmination of this one who, if anybody spoke to me like that, I would just have to She's leave. It's so just, it's the pacing of it. Breathy. Really. Yeah. And so slow. Yeah. It she sounds like. Crazy. It's, it's happy birthday, Mr. President. It's happy birthday, Mr. President, crossed with Stevie from Malcolm in the Middle. Yes, it is! But it turns out that these are candidates interviewing to be the Deep's wife. Yep. This is all part of the Church of the Collective's plan to get him back into the Seven. Is they're going to rehab his reputation by marrying him off to a chosen person. Yeah, and Deep's and like, I want her. Yeah, I want the sexy hot. one. It's her, right? Yeah, and she's the like, one. Nope, 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 nope. It's one, and I can't even remember which one it is. Cassandra. Cassandra. It's Cassandra. the one who talks about the, the lovers of... 
Verona. No, no. The, the the ones, the, the two skeletons fighting together. That, that They're they, two men. Yeah, I know. The two skeletons are male. Yeah. Yeah. That's Cassandra, and, oh, and yeah. Carol is like, oh, yeah, no, Cassandra is the right one. And Deep's like, I thought I got to choose. You do, and you're choosing Cassandra. Yeah. <laughs> and explains, look, we're trying to rehabilitate your image, and you're a womanizer, so we want you to go with the long-term commitment girl, Yeah, because that will do better for you. And she's like, do you want to get back into the Seven, or do you want to marry the sexy, hot, breathy girl? And he's like... Fine, I want to get back in the seven and agrees to marry Cassandra. But even then, like their communication still, he's they're they're still manipulating the shit out of him. And every time oh, yeah. he looks like he's like, well, fuck you, I don't need you. They're like, oh, but we have this. Yeah, it's like you can leave now with the jet ski, but what's in the box? <laughs> yeah, they keep they keep dangling the carrot of returning to the seven in front yeah. of them to get everything that they want out of it, which is presumably just to get their finger into the vat pie. Yeah, well, he seems to be well-known already. Who? The the, 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 the head of the church yeah. and the church in general. Yeah, we've gotten a few comments. Like well, the one from Stormfront, from Stormfront. Where she was like, it. oh, you sound like you're in the church. But yeah, the deep stuff was nice. Well, the It was at, just a little reminder end, of this is what's going on. Because at the end of the previous episode, he's like, he's killed a whale. <laughs> yeah, he's killed a whale and, and, and been embarrassed by yeah, Homelander. Yeah, and it's... I was fully expecting when we cut back to him in this episode that there would be some sort of shame guild spiral going on. No, so it was nice. For him to be like, yes, I'm positive and upbeat, but still kind of really confused and stupid. Yeah. And was, it was nice to see that he hadn't taken the Homelander comments to heart. Plus as well, it's... I, I don't want him to feel bad where, about his skills. Where that scene is placed is like just before the end so it's just after Becca and Butcher's emotional ending yeah and then after that is Andy telling Huey it's over yeah and then we get the deep scene and then it's followed by um, Homelander killing Doppelganger yeah so, so they're all of, pretty downer scenes except for the deep there's so I a think lot of relationships was, ending yeah yeah they're all it's all downers so I think that's why it was put in there as well is well here's the start of a relationship might not be a functional one or a yeah. very healthy one, but yeah, I think it was to push in a little bit of levity at the end of the episode. And as you said, a contrast between all the other relationships breaking down or yeah. ending. We have the start of this one forming. But yeah, it was a, it was a nice way to end it out, I thought. Because yeah. you, you, you kind of, you come down with that deep scene and then you get your one little, not a cliffhanger, but shocker at the end when Homeland is like, no, no. No, I don't need anybody to love me. Any- everybody <laughs> to love me anymore and kills Doppelganger. Yeah. It was a nice way to end it off, I thought. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed this episode. It was. Yeah. It was definitely a slower pace. Yeah. But as we said, it was more character driven. So you needed that slow burn. I think the frenzy pace matched the last episode because yeah. you, you're you as caught up in it as the characters are. They're jumping from moment to moment to moment. Yeah, and it was all action, action, action. This, they're, be- they're dealing with extremely heavy topics and very emotional conversations and very complex feelings. Yeah. So you can't you can't rush that. You have to be given time to absorb that. Yeah, the pacing in this was was nice in that there was never too many he- really heavy things in a row. We we had mm-hmm. our little bits of levity of A Train talking about shit, I love fat kids and <laughs> the bits with the deep and the interviews yeah. intercut throughout. Which, as well, the interview segments are supposed to be a reference to When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. But yeah, no, I I, I did. I enjoyed this episode. Um, I think they did. The, what's coming, things start to ramp up. 
So I think, yeah, they wanted to just put a, a kind of a slower episode in there. Plus, this was the first one that was um, released weekly. The yeah. first three episodes were released together. So you had episode one, episode two, and then the madness of episode three. And yeah. people had a week break to digest it all. And then they came back in with something a little bit slower. Yeah. And I think it worked for the pacing of the season. And it, it answers a lot of questions as well regarding eps- events of the previous episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it fills in some of those blanks. Yeah. Was there anything that you would dislike about it? Would have changed? Um, I did the... Uh, not really. I enjoyed it for the most part. I'm still annoyed by them all just walking around in their day-to-day ghetto. <laughs> Yeah, there was without more... any sort of like. Yeah, and he and he and he spent an awful lot of time just wandering around in normal clothes. No, and not, not getting her recognized. in particular. Um, it's more to do with the fact that Butcher just had a hood up, you know, that sort of thing. But that will always annoy me because I'm like, aren't you supposed to be wanted by everybody? The yeah. lack of surveillance tech, like the fact that except it for talk... when it suited them. Yeah, the fact that Annika doesn't find him until it suits the plot. Yeah. pissed me off because I was like hang on they're going on about like when she drives up to the wall when Becca drives up to the wall to shout and was like show me the doctor yeah. there's somebody clearly watching that camera and if it's you've already had a breach by Homelanders surely you would be watching it yeah yeah it's just don't... Now, that that bugged me because I was like oh okay you're uh, clearly all of your tech is for fucking nothing yeah I think I'd have been okay with it if they hadn't previously shown us how much there was and how effective it was yeah that, to then that have bothered it be me undermined by Butcher being able to hop over a wall, give him the finger, and then get all the way to, as you I said, un- her fucking car. Yeah, like, I understand that he's supposed to be ex-SAS, or special, he's special forces, anyway. Uh, I think he's a Royal Marine. In the comics, he was a Royal Marine. Yeah, I don't I think, think it has been specified really in this, but he's supposed to be some sort of special forces. Definitely U- uh, UK Army. Yeah, but, it like, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, fair enough, but you still hopped over the wall with a fucking rope. Didn't even take the rope down. yeah. So whatever about you doing it under the cover of darkness yeah. and it, it is okay you could have avoided all the cameras. How? Potentially. I don't know but, but you if, left the yeah. rope. So even if he did manage to avoid the cameras does nobody do perimeter checks yeah. to find the rope? Like because he's there at least what well, he's there overnight. He's there at least two three at days. Le- well well, I, I that's what I got from Minimum him. minimum he shows up at night time and we see him in daylight. Yeah. So minimum he was there overnight. And she says that the garbage truck is supposed to picks up at like 11 or something yeah. like that. I think so, they're there two nights. Yeah, I think it could be longer. But minimum, he's there at least overnight. Yeah. So nobody did a perimeter check the whole fucking night. Nobody reviewed the cameras the whole fucking night. Yeah. It's it's only because Black Nora was annoying sensitive? Annika that yeah. anybody even knows he was there in the first place. Should they not have these? If they're looking for these people, especially when they're, they're trying to get, he can take apart their whole Madeline Stilwell cover story. Yeah. Surely, as soon as somebody, like, you would have, like, fucking somebody watching, and you know he's been there. Mm. Surely you would have facial recognition software running, looking for hits through all cameras that they have access to anyway. Just in case he happened to come across one. They've gotten him. I mean, they had the pictures from the fucking boat. Well, and as well. From the police helicopter. So clearly they have access to that. They can't even watch their own goddamn facilities. And they're also, they're, the boys are the only ones who could really possibly counter Vought's version of events of what happened with the super terrorist. Yeah. So, yeah, they should really want to know where the boys are right now. Yeah. That, that was um, the only thing that really annoyed me was the apparent lack of security at this fucking Truman Show compound that they got Yeah, except, except for when it was plot convenient yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no that, just, no, that, that is just that annoyed me. me a bit as well but 
those are the kind of things that piss us off as yeah. well. I don't mind. It, for me, it's one of those things. If you if you establish a rule, stick to that rule. Yeah. So you've established that there's a lot of surveillance there. Stick to that. Yeah, it could have been showing that. cutting a camera or something or looping yeah, just a feed. Something. Just just one small scene would have been enough. But I mean, I suppose if that's our only nitpick of the episode, still a pretty damn good episode. Yeah. But we'll be back next week definitely to talk season two, episode five. I can't for the life of me remember what the name of it is. But the name's I know it's pretty long this season. Yeah, I definitely remember it being a juicy episode. I have no no memory of this place. That's okay. Well, you you have, <laughs> you have trouble remembering the episodes after we've watched them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I have no memory of this place. So um, that's okay. But we, as I say, we'll be back next week, guys. In the meantime, um, you know, if you want to leave us a review, let us know we're not just screaming into the void. Send us a tweet. Send oh, us an but email. That's so fun. Oh, well, we can scream into the void when we want to. Sometimes it screams <laughs> back. Yeah. So scream back, guys. You can follow us on Twitter at RantsMono. You can send us an email to monorantspodcast at gmail.com. And for the minute, you can find all of our podcasts up on all good podcast providers. We're thinking we might go exclusively to Votify, but uh, we'll let you know if we do. Take it easy, guys. Bye-bye. We are Science Fiction Remnant. This is the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. We are the Caribbean Science Fiction Network. We are Monorats. We are One Accord Level 2 Podcast. This is Sci-Fi.